Hey, this is Ryan with the Leafs cast. Wanted to let you know that we have a YouTube channel now. If you wanted to check us out on YouTube, leave us a like and a subscribe. And for now, enjoy the pod. Six Swedes walk into a Toronto bank, stealing a W from a Western Canadian city. We cover this and more tonight on the Leafs cast. Checks it ahead. Matthews up to that. There it is. Big Pappy's on the board. Man, he had a sweet goal in Vancouver that night. I, I think yes. that, that was like the most Austin Matthews goal I've seen yet this season. And like, I was kind of laughing at myself after because it was the same thing that I was saying last week. There's like not, not a single Vancouver Canuck anywhere around the guy. But it's like, oh, that was that's the kind of goal that Austin Matthews just goal, player versus goalie and player wins positivity from the boys to start the pod you know it's gonna be a good one welcome back to the leafs cast steven douglas here joined by two happy allison boys tim well, and ryan allison the recency bias is real it's like it doesn't matter that we lost the two games before it this week we won the last game so therefore like we're in a good mood lots to cover this week three games and uh primarily the subject today the stats don't lie or do they Dun, dun, dun. I will tell. But let's get into the game. So the Leafs play three games this week. Another back-to-back once again, kind of finally ending this back-to-back streak. But uh, a 4-3 to three overtime L against the Vegas Golden Knights. 4-2 to two L on Friday night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And yes, a 2-3 to three win over the Western Canadian City. Preface Dude, no the one says of that. Podcast. We won three to two. Wait, what did I say? A two to three. Oh, I, well, I'm reading it how it's listed uh, on the page. D- do you want to take a shot, Tim, at, at hosting this podcast? <laughs> it's not the first time. It's in the past. I like held my tongue, but like, can you please handing, just read it like a normal? I'm handing the hockey. mic over to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You want to grab We're it? Starting off grab on it? the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, <laughs> and this case, so I mean. All three games are pretty close, but this is the the one where we did make it to overtime. Uh, I'm not really sure if we're going to do like the full play by play, but Ryan and I were got kind of heated. Here's the thing: you put this is the this is the game right where we t- looking at was it Shelley's fault? Sometimes you just need a save. So we are like two and a half minutes into this pod. You already want to get into a heated argument with me. This is how we're starting <laughs> off the podcast. Hey, all I, I look at this game and that's I was like, what do I remember about this game? I remember looking at Shelly and say like, man, if we needed one more save, we would have gotten at least a, at least another point. I guess you'd get a point. But we need two points. Tim, it's too easy to just say like, oh, you need one more save and then you'll win. Like, what is that number? If Shelly gives you like 15 unbelievable saves, but he doesn't get the 16th. Whereas the other goalie gets four unbelievable saves and he gets the fifth as well. Then we lost because our goalie didn't make the 16th unbelievable save. No, you're missing. Like he, listen, I, we, there were three games. Shelly's Shelly started all of them and we could talk about him a little later on, but that Vegas game in particular was not to the fault of Shogren. He played phenomenally throughout that game. He made some big saves to our, horrendous defensive play. We were like a cheese grater out there. We had so many holes that they were coming through us. So the odd man rushes 
breakaways, late breakaways in the game when we had the lead. Are you kidding me? And he bailed us out time and time again. And because he didn't make like one final save on like the last of the seven breakaways they got that game, you're going to say, oh, it's it's Shelly's fault. He didn't make the ridiculous save. No, it wasn't his fault that he had to make that many saves on the breakaways. I watched five years of Frederick Anderson not making that extra save. It's his fault. Something like it's maybe not all his fault, but it's certainly I wouldn't say thank you to Shelly for that game. I, team, I would say thank you that we got a point in that game to Shelly. I would say thank you to him. Go ahead, Steve. I'll say thank you to the fact we got a point against like, like let's not forget the opponent here. I think the Vegas Golden Knights are the second or first best team in the NHL so far this season. They've now, you know, beaten us twice. Uh, you know, they've gotten all four points out of this series. Um, you're not wrong, Tim. Like, I mean, I, I, I guess I lean a little bit your way where it's just like, if you could get one of those Shelly, that would be absolutely amazing. All, all, I guess, okay. All, all three of their regulation goals came off of giveaways, right? So the Leafs gave it to them. Um, it is frustrating where like just. I, the the Leafs then does, don't necessarily take advantage of those same opportunities, right? Or we do just get goalied over and over again. But he's a third string goalie for a reason. Like the expect, my expectation string. is that he won't make those saves. So then when he doesn't, like, you know, that was it. So overtime, right? And this was the worst kind of overtime. Peyton's getting ready to go to bed, right? My daughter, go lock her up. There's a lot of daughter talk on this pod. We'll get into that. Uh, I'm like, all right, let's put her upstairs, sit down for overtime, get ready. It's going to be a fun overtime period. And you know what? The six seconds that we had the puck before they gave it over to Riley Smith and it was in the back of our net, they were fun. No, it was like the shortest overtime ever. Pretty frustrating. Um, And again, just, I don't know, didn't make a single save. I mean, I don't care much about overtime. Overtime is three on three. It's like, it doesn't mean anything come playoffs. Like it's, it's just who's going to get there. Well, we got to get there. So we, we can't be no, losing the overtime right, zone talking, to get but, to the playoffs. But when you're talking about the process, you're talking about like, how is this team moving forwards? How are they going to perform when it really counts? How they perform in a three on three overtime in November doesn't matter at all. Here's so, how it does matter, Ryan. The clutch players come to play in overtime. That's when it's do or die. And that's where like the good players step up and get it done. And Leafs, feel like they never get it done i uh, maybe maybe that's probably just recency bias but like i sure you're right the start like you're never gonna have three on three hockey in the playoffs but like i want to see players step up and say like all right let's get the two points let's seal the deal very much not what the leafs do oh that's a good point but i don't know is there anything else we can bring out this game i see steven gave me the mic and i just immediately jumped into what i wanted to talk about but maybe you guys well, have something else something else here, l- l- let me just feed a little bit more fire into this Shelly argument because it's pretty good, and he's a hot topic this week. Played all three games. Out of all of Shelly's starts this season, he's only he only has two of them where he's above a 900 save percentage. We're getting into the stat talk early. While the Maple Leafs, albeit you know a, a handful of poor you know defensive odd man rushes, like there's some high danger chances going against us, but they keep the shot totals low. Right. Like Shelly's posting a sub 900 save percentage on, I, I would say generally like sub 25 shots against, which in the NHL is, is very few. So 
right? Like, like, can you imagine if we played against a team that just peppered us with like 40 shots? You'd think there'd be seven going in the R. No, but this is where, and and listen, maybe we should save this for whether we're talking about stats or for losers or whatever we're talking about here. But like, just looking at the shot totals, it's misleading because you're, you're looking at the Maple Leafs are out shooting them 40 to 25 or something. And man, we're so much better than them. All our shots are coming from the blue line or from the outsides or they're barely making it through or clean look or something. Their 25 shots are like two on one crossing pass back of the net. It's like it's it's it, you, you can't just say do a shot total and say, well, there it is. Shelly only had to stop 24. The other guy had to stop 34. It's it's not telling the full story. What is interesting, though, is like looking at Jack Campbell and saying like, he went from the Leafs is like, I, well, people love to talk about like, are the Leafs good defensively? Are they not? But at the same time, like he went from the Leafs to Edmonton when Edmonton is definitely like a not good defensive team and he is struggling. Like they're what 20 games in and he is. It might looking like a long five-year contract. And I don't know. I like, I love Jack Campbell. I don't like seeing him not, uh, not succeed, but at the same time, like I'm glad we didn't give him that contract. You guys remember, hey, what if he stayed here, though, and was really good? Remember what I was saying, that Jack Campbell's had a horrible time playing professional hockey for all these years, and he's finally found something good in Toronto, and could have re-signed for maybe a little less and had a good time here, and maybe he wouldn't be crying himself to sleep in the shower in Edmonton. (laughs) Do they have on frozen water there to shower? I've actually never been. I'm pretty sure it's snowing already there. Okay, we chalk up a little, uh, I'm going to chalk up a little bit of the loss here to the fact that we were playing against a very good opponent. Yeah, they were good. We sit on that for three nights and then we go to Pittsburgh where it's the opposite. You're going up against a team that was on the longest losing streak that they've had since Sidney Crosby was a rookie, basically in diapers. Um, the That's first the half of the back-to-back and you drop the game four to two. And this one was frustrating. I mean, it was, was really a three frustrating to two. loss. Three two with the empty netter. Oh, okay. Just to give us hope. Sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, like all three games this week were all like quite close games. I would say. Well, okay. So anyway, though, I, this one got a little bit concerning for me once Malkin was angry. Once Evgeny Malkin got angry at where he was like a hundred percent in the wrong and he's sitting there in the box, right? Like because for on two penalties, early penalties where he's just like hacking and slashing our guys, you can take your pick on what he's doing. He comes out, he's pissed off and he pots one in the back of the net. And, uh, um, it just felt like one where it's like this team, the, the penguins are bad right now because they deserve to be because of the decisions that they made with how they're going to spend their salary. And the Leafs are getting outworked by a bunch of no-name jabronis and then a couple of Hall of Famers. And it's just frustrating. I mean, One arguably we- our our team identity is a couple no-name jabronis and some Hall of Famers. So <laughs> better watch what you say. Ryan, Ours are younger. William Nylander, <laughs> you looking. think he's going to the Hall of Fame, Ryan? Anyway, I, I think that this game was disappointing. I think that it, it showed exactly who like a guy like Evgeny Malkin could you know, you guys made fun of me last week following Evgeny. Gino Malkin can do, uh, and and what Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and our guys kind of continue to not do. Marner, you know, they're talking about this point streak that he's on. Good for him. He's not leading the game like Malkin did. 
for uh, for Pittsburgh. And again, I think that some of our lower down lineup guys are the guys who kind of kept us in the game. If our big guys showed up like Pittsburgh's big guys did, then I'm going to come out with a W on that one. I think the same story is continuing here. We'll talk about that later. And again, an especially bad showing by Shelley. But can we transition into the the game last night? Oh, the this good is what game. I want to talk about the most. A good game. It, a, a great setup first, right? With the 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 tribute to the Hall of Famers, and I thought the move by Keith to start all six Swedes on the ice uh, and honor of Boreas Salming was sick. That was like really sick, and it got me really hyped up, which makes you think the boys are getting hyped up, and they were. They came out, I thought, looking great. Um, shoot, wait, did we score? Yeah, we scored. No, we no, didn't. We, score went, we went down we to nothing early. Yeah. This, this we was looked the, good. No, like this is a game that like I was concerned because it's a back to back. We never seem to do well in back to backs. That's even with like we can talk about the goalie in a bit. Um, and then we come out totally flat in the first period. We're getting like shown up and dominated by the Vancouver Canucks, and then something happened between the first and the second period and we woke up and then we like, it looked like a top tier team against a uh, perpetually rebuilding, but never actually good. Um, a couple of interesting decisions here. So last pod, we spent plenty of time talking about, Oh my gosh, I, I can't even remember his actual name now. Uh, New Leafs goaltender, Keith Petrozelli. Um, starting as the backup this week because all of our goaltenders are, you know, exploded right now. Uh, and he didn't start a single game this week because Keith decided to play Shalgren on both ends of the back-to-back. That was extremely surprising to me. Wouldn't you guys agree? Def- definitely some interesting moves by Keith. Just going back to way he brought the starting the six Swedes on the ice, it, it really brings up the contrast between Remember when like Babcock has the first game with Jason Spezza and he benched Spezza you know, as this power move and then Keith is out here and just like, nope, give it to the players. And it's, I don't know, maybe different different techniques or different coaching styles, but it's, uh, it's not there. I did like that. It's like the Leafs did. Yeah, starting, uh, starting Shelgren in the back-to-back after a really not great showing in, in Pittsburgh, but uh, it, to be frank, not a great start to the yeah, um, the Vancouver game either. Like those two goals weren't super great, but he locked it down after that. So maybe Keith was onto something. It, it's the kind of thing where it's like, if the Leafs didn't wake up in the second period and they just lost that game to nothing, everyone would have been saying, "Keith, you dummy, what were you thinking?" But because like the Leafs forwards turned it on and scored some goals, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, good move. Keith. Kind of a funny way it goes. Whatever gets the wins, I guess. Well, the other thing um, that stuck out to me here, besides, I mean, this kind of really ending up, besides those first two kind of kind of ugly goals against her, it was just like Shelly wasn't even being screened. He was just getting like beat, just beat from yeah. distance by, you know, shooters on uh, Vancouver was Austin Matthews. I know it was just one goal, but it felt like this goal felt like a really big deal because it was an Austin Matthews type yes. of a goal. Um, where he corrals a hot pass coming in for Mitch Marner, where he just he just like fires it at him like a bullet, and Austin Matthews corrals that puck, no stick handle, and just rockets it into the back of the net, exactly where it needed to go. And I certainly hope this is a turning point for Austin Matthews because Ryan said it a couple times on the pod already, where he's 
He's got, I think, seven or eight goals on the season this year, but not only one Austin Matthews goal, and it happened last night. Yeah, that, yeah. that to me was the highlight of the game. I want to see more of that. I need more of that. Get get him the puck and let him just do his thing. That's the kind of goal that only Austin Matthews can score. Well, not only Austin Matthews, but like it was on the stick, off the stick, clean top shelf. Like it was just so nice to see him do that. And yeah, you know what? I, I'm sure scoring goals will get your confidence back. Scoring a goal like that will get you your confidence. Let's let's keep him going. Yeah, like I think uh he is such a, a big part of the team. Like when he's going. It over it just like covers over a lot of uh, any issues that we might other otherwise have with the team. Like we're just so much better when Matt Matthews is scoring. Line shifted around a little bit last night. You have William Nylander playing the majority of the game with uh, Austin Matthews, and then Mitch Marner uh, uh, alongside John Tavares. What'd you guys think of that? I mean, it's the first time I think to start a game that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner have been separated. Does that stick I, around? What do you think? Uh, I mean, if they're not going, you, I mean, I guess Mitch Marner has had like the point streak going for a long time. I don't put too much faith in it just because like Keith is kind of notorious for uh, putting the lineup blenders kind of throughout the game anyway. So I, well, that the, the fact they didn't start the game together, uh, I don't put too much faith in it. I think it means more than that. Like I, I think because it it's been a few games now. We saw it in in Pittsburgh definitely where Keith switched it up and put Matthews and Nylander out there for like the second half of the game and and Tavares Marner and then to start the game like that and to really hold to it for the whole game in Vancouver even after the sluggish start in the first period. I think it's definitely a message to the top guys that like listen, what you're doing isn't good enough. And it, it it can't continue. And I don't think it's necessarily Keith's plan to have, okay, you know, we're going to go with this and we're going to stick with it to the playoffs. I don't think that's what he's doing here. But it's I don't think it's going to be like, now that we won in Vancouver, we're going to go back and play Pittsburgh in our next game, but we're going to see Matthews Barner. I, I think it's going to be like this for a little bit and probably until we start losing our Costellian. And I have no problem with that. Like, I thought that they looked good. I think Matthews and Delander look good out there. I think Tavares and Marner look really good out there. And maybe this is even the kind of thing that will get Bunting finally going to seeing some fresh new line combinations. Every time I see Bunting, Tavares, Marner as a line, it just always seems to work. So I'd like to see that have a prolonged, prolonged exposure. I, I think it means a little more than you're putting it off. Yeah, I think Bunting, it's interesting. He just hasn't like quite found his spot. Like I know last year he didn't start up on that top line. Nick Ritchie got more minutes up there than he did. And it wasn't until a, probably a couple months into the season that he really that line really meshed um and then they were basically together the rest of the year so it's kind of interesting this year that they hasn't quite been able to put it together like you see him obviously involved in the scrums after uh after it or taking hmm. shots a little bit in the right spot but he's not certainly not the force that he was last year certainly not Calder trophy nominee michael bunting but i'm not sure where where he like where he will end up like he's been trying him in the bottom six um i don't know if that does quite as much for him like be able to compliment those those high-end players but self self-servingly i think like man that's good putting me in the bottom six it'll help his contract extension if he gets one i mean vancouver got a good look at him they'll probably pick him up for 
a seven by seven or something <laughs> like that. They wait a minute. I just remembered that's who took uh, uh, Mikheyev yep. and he didn't play. No, he was Is in he the heard? game. Yeah, he was, he was their, there. He's like their top line winger. I did literally did not hear his name one time. In he the had a game. couple You're rushes. Me, to, honestly, I don't know if he had a single shot on net the whole game, but he was Ilya still fast. Mikheyev played last night, yeah. and I didn't even. I should have led the pod with that. You what know, was you I know thinking? who else wasn't that noticeable? I don't think Pedersen was that noticeable that game. I like didn't really see him do much. Watch out, Ryan! The Vancouver fans are coming with their pitchforks. <laughs> well, I, Vancouver's I've, so interesting because like the Leafs beat them, and yes, I know we turned it on like as the game went on, but like. Vancouver just they like it, they kind of looked a little leafy when the Leafs are just like not trying anymore. We're like it just felt like their their skates were stuck in concrete. Nobody could move, and uh, it's just interesting because I know you talk about like perpetually rebuilding, but it's like they have they have like five or six good players. It's just weird, like, and it sounds like they don't want them. Like, geez, if Bo Horvat comes available. Kyle Dubas, why don't you give them a call? Holy like, cow, the price tag on that guy right now, he's like the leading goal scorer in the NHL. It's going to be like everything. <laughs> well, but the Leafs could use some goals. We'll get into that well, in the stats. It's clear that saying, we could use a, a left winger right now. Like Kerfoot and Bunting are not doing it. And what else do we got? So I just like seeing a, a, a good Ontario boy and his parents are in the building just because they live there. That's... I don't know. It could be good vibes. There could be good vibes around Bo Horvat coming home. Could be. I wouldn't mind. Bo. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just looked at the game sheet. Ilya McKayev played. I literally didn't notice one time. Watch the whole game. Kasperi um, Kapanen did not play in Pittsburgh, and they still beat us. As soon as I heard that he was not playing, I was all ready to come on this pod and say that they were the biggest idiots. Like, that guy is free goals when he plays against Toronto, as all, all other ex-Maple Leafs are. And they didn't play the guy. Was he scratched? Healthy scratch. Yep, two games in a row. Oh, I mean, like, I know he had some issues when he was with Toronto, like, missing practice. He was, I think he suspended a game or something like that. Maybe he's not quite as committed. It's a bit of the same from what I have one friend who's a big Pittsburgh fan. And, uh, yeah, I hear the same thing. You know, so we do give Kyle Dubas a hard time. Uh, I mean, so, I don't know. When you look at, yeah, like, Andreas Janssen going on waivers. Kasperi Kapitan's getting waived. Well, Jack it, Campbell looks like a It's kind of a double-edged waived. Kapanen wasn't waived. No, no, no. Janssen. Janssen. Yeah, no, but you said Kapanen was waived. I said scratch. Kapanen was scratched. Anyway, it's kind of a double-edged sword. No, I'm right. No, no. I'm playing back the audio. (laughs) It's a double-edged sword because Dubas gave all those guys their contracts, right? Like, if he couldn't find suitors to trade them away, then we would have been stuck still now with Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen to the deals that Dubas signed them to. So it's kind of lucky on Dubas that he traded those guys when he did. So we didn't have to deal with the bad ends of those contracts. Well, well no, I'm saying like maybe these guys wouldn't be in that situation if they were still playing in Toronto. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's pretty impressive uh, that we got a first round pick and such for Kapanen. And now he's a healthy scratch on Pittsburgh. So, I mean, we got Amarov for if, Kapanen. If Kapanen was still uh, around, he'd be playing with David Camp and probably be looking like an all-star right now. That's true. That is true. Another healthy scratch last night, TJ Brody with an undisclosed oh, phantom not, injury. Not so healthy scratch. Sits or, out. Well, he was scratched. Oh, yeah. The, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Good joke, Tim. Good. Tim, you are getting so funny. I'm, I listen. I pay attention to what you say. <laughs> so, um, uh, and then Jamie Ben comes in for his uh, first game of the season. Jordy Ben. Sorry to keep doing this. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's a rough one, Steven. I'm not going to save you there. I'm not. I'm not. We can't fix that one in post. Although You're, Jordy Ben, new savior of the Maple Leafs. How good was he? Every shift he was out there, he was being physical. He was standing guys up. He scored a goal. Like he was he like was, he was like Jake Musson out there is what he was like. It was great. I love the guy. Listen, you want to know why he was playing so well last night? I alluded to it in the beginning of the pod. A little daughter talk. All was right? it actually Jamie Ben in the jersey? <laughs> Is that what you're going to tell us? Jordy Ben's daughter was there at the game. Little pregame, you know, knuckles through the glass. Listen, it's a dad thing, okay? All right. It's a dad thing. We'll trust you. And uh, he goes out there and he's buzzing and he gets his first goal of the season. And... Uh, I'm going to hit you guys with a, a, a quick stat, all right? Ooh. Here is uh, Jordy Ben's goals, okay? 2019 season, one. 2020 season, one. 2021 season, one. <laughs> so this done. year, uh, a rough whatever, I don't even know, we're like a fifth of the way through the season, one goal. Right. So he's already matched his season high of the last couple of years. And you know my brother, David, he was dying because uh, – uh, he's been around for so long. He doesn't have to wear the, the visor. Right. But he just like everywhere he's gone. It's like, hasn't played all the time, but, uh, he looked great, man. Do you yeah. think like these players that score like one goal a, a year, do they keep the puck for the one goal? Like, should they scoop it up for him and save him? Like, I feel like that's more like, Oh, here, Ovechkin, here's your 300th goal puck. That means nothing to Ovechkin versus like, here's your one goal from the 2022 season. Like that's meaningful. I told you guys I have an autographed Jordy Ben puck, right? Oh, was well, that was one, one of his goal? goals <laughs> when he was with the stars? Um, and uh, I don't even remember how I came across it, but I just use it. So I actually don't. It's in, just in my puck bucket in the garage <laughs> um, because I needed the puck more than an autograph from Jordy Ben at the time. So um, now I, we I, come across an interesting dilemma of let's say TJ Brody plays in Pittsburgh and it was just a day to day one time thing. Who are you sitting out of our seven defensemen? Because I don't want to sit out Jordy Ben. I like Jordy Ben. I like what he brings. So who do you who do you sit out or do you sit out Ben? I think Hall needs some time to appreciate what he's done. But he, he looked good with Hall though. He played with Hall. I suppose. So. But everyone looks he, good with TJ. No, I, I I do agree with you though. And Hall made a couple of plays, but um, yeah, I would probably. I that's a really that's a really tough question, Rye, because you know the easy answers move Brody back up with Riley, but Lilypad looks fine there. Yeah, he does. So I I guess my answer would be you move you you try out Brody with uh Ben. Gosh, now Tim's got me second guessing every name I say. Uh, and you sit Rasmus Sandin, I think. That's kind of where I was leaning. Like, I, I I, don't know what it is for Sandin. I hope it's just Sandin's the kind of defenseman that just can't play the right. He has to play on his left side, and that's where he's comfortable. Because he hasn't, he hasn't looked that great this season. And it might just be because he missed a bit of training camp. Like, you've seen guys kind of get slow. Engvall's been slow, and he missed some training camp. Navarro's have been great, and he missed training camp. So who knows what that tells you. I haven't been too impressed with Sandine so far. And I, I think either him or Hall are equal candidates to say, yeah, you could take a seat. I think Sandine's looked okay with, with Giordano, but I think that's been in pretty sheltered minutes, which probably has, has a lot to do with it. And I know, and I mean, like I was, I was more joking before when I said that Hall needs to just get out of here. Like, I think I, I look, I was looking at some stats. 
Um, Whoa. I, I do that from time to time. Um, <laughs> Hall has, is averaging over 20 minutes a night. Like there's uh, Riley who like averages the most. Like he's up at 23 minutes, then Brody at 21. And then Hall is our third most used defenseman. So I'm not sure if he's destined for the press box just because he makes these huge gaffes that take a year or two off my life. But uh, yeah, no, I think out of out of the defenseman, I, I do think Sandin is the odd one out. Um, I yeah, I I do think I think Brody, it might have just been a, a a maintenance day just because it was a back to back. Maybe they're a little more cognizant of that that stuff, seeing as all our other defense or Muzzin's injured and all these old guys. But Geo played, I guess. So I don't know. And we we always mention former players scoring against the Maple Leafs. Jordy Ben, former Vancouver Canuck, scoring right. against his old team. That's and, how it and, feels. And uh, and Czar Zach Aston Reese scored against Pittsburgh the other night. Love it. You just love it. All right. Anything else, gentlemen? Before we get into uh, some stats. Um. No, I'm ready. Hang on. I want my sound. I want my sound. Give me my sound. It's my podcast. <laughs> Is that the stat sound? It's it's kind of an everything sound. <laughs> Stats don't lie. Or do they? I mean, when do you guys need to say that part? Or do they? All right. You need the so, eyebrow raised to complete the bit. <laughs> my camera's not that high def. Our eyebrows. All right, what do we got? Well, I so so the Maple Leafs are how many games in now? Geez, I'm the, I'm trying to do a stats section here. I don't even know how many games we played. Games into the season, <laughs> we are eight, five, and three, second in the the division. Some days it feels like the sky is falling, right? But then when you look at, like just Tim said, the division, we're second in the division, right? But there's just there's parts of this team that keep me up at night more than a team that that this team has in in past years, and so I just find myself on the internet scrolling through stats columns, and I just pulled up a few of them that I want to talk about today, and then we can decide whether it's uh, uh, tells the full story or not. All right. So let's get into it. All right. Um, here's something. It's a five-on-five stat here, okay? So the Maple Leafs have been struggling at five-on-five all season. Now, we have eight wins, and a big part of that's been this power play so far this season, right? When we talk about the big boys going, the big boys have got going, but really it's just on this power play. When we look at even-strength goals, um, the, the Leafs just are not scoring enough, and they're not getting enough from the big guys. Let me pull up. Hang on. I've got my stats here. Even strength goals. John Tavares, three out of his eight are even strength. William Nylander, three out of his six are even strength. Uh, David Camp, three for three. God bless you. Thanks for coming out. Austin Matthews, two out of his seven goals. Even strength. What a it's, seven, eh? It's concerning, right? I, but then, like, I don't know, because, you know, we look, you listen to this pod from last season and almost any time that the Leafs power play is really struggling, the Leafs can continue to win games, but have, you know, like a, a 
whatever, 7% power play. And we end up being one of the best five on five teams around. Um, again, just, just like concerning stats where the Leafs are, you know, way more of the game is played at five on five and the Leafs just aren't getting it done there. Does this concern you or not? What do you think, Tim? Yep, I'm concerned. I've seen enough uh, Leafs teams in past where the power plays will eventually uh, dry up. Uh, fault of the refs, of course. But the, even when we do get the opportunities, like sometimes our, we know our guys are mentally fragile and they get in a power play slump. You cannot rely on the power play to get you through. It, it's the icing on the cake and make your good team great. But if it's the only thing get you, getting you wins, you're going to have a rough time when bounces don't go your way. I would say that the stat concerns me, but I'm not too concerned because I not that, that you could do this. I don't think you could do it, Stephen. But I think if you were to filter that stat for like the first eight games of the season and the second, the last eight games that we've played, I think that majority of what's bringing this down is the way that we started the season at a really bad i actually think over the last five or six games we've looked pretty decent five on five even to like some of our lower lines or upper lines like i i think that they've all performed and and they look good like we've had especially you saw it this this past week and against pittsburgh and definitely against vancouver we were controlling play five on five for large portions of those games we looked like we can go toe to toe with them and I I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs that I want to see, I've started seeing more over the last number of games here. So I I wouldn't say I'm that concerned, but the stats definitely hold true, especially for the first number of games. It's the kind of thing you're right, Tim. The power play is not going to be here forever. We've had many times where through October, November, we were the number one power play. And then it drops to 0% for the latter half. So definitely the other teams just, uh, just figure us out and then like, we're a little slower to adjust. And, yeah. But no, I mean, it, it is, is nice. Go ahead. I was just like, it is good that we're getting all these power play goals. Like it's not like if, if the power play wasn't working, we'd be down there with like Columbus in the standing. So like, it, it's good that that's happening, but it's definitely not sustainable. Right now. More of a priority. Yeah. Morning, Steven, you concerned? You sweating um, buckets? Well, Part of it is that it is early. Austin Matthews is one of the best five on five goal scorers in NHL history, right? So him being like, like him being the lowest in that category, that, that part does concern me. Um, it's early. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a little bit less um, pessimistic about the power play though, just falling apart as you guys are like Michael Bunting leading the league and drawn penalties, by the way. Thank you very much. Giving us some of these extra ones. Um, That's not good. You don't want to be the leader of the league in that. The refs will see that and they'll decide no more for you. That's what happened with Kadri. Say that guy's a diver. Anyone of the top happened last year though. Anyway, I'm just saying uh, um, makes a lot of sense that this power play could keep going for a long stretch here. So like, if Austin Matthews has turned a corner, like that's going to help our five on five and. I don't know. The team's looking better as the season goes on. I'm not as concerned as the stats make it seem, but it definitely does show that like when the big boys aren't going, they're not. And, and the, the bottom six got a couple goals this season. So, or, or, the, or sorry, this week. So that helped. Not that this is a stat, but since we brought up the power play, what do you guys think of them putting Austin Matthews in the bumper position? Most recent 
Uh, right, you mean right in the middle rather than like yeah. in the Ovechkin spot? Yeah. I think it's smart. I think that they should, I, I, I don't think he's permanently there, but Austin Matthews is excellent in close and they need to be moving him around in different spots because he's, he's an excellent goal scorer, but he's not Alex Ovechkin. Like he just, nobody else will do it the way that he does. And he, he could score in a lot of different ways. So put him there, right? Like, because him being up top, he's got two guys flooding to him too quick. And he, I guess, just can't get the puck off quick enough like Ovi. So I think it's fine. It's, it's going to take some punishment, though. That part's concerning. I like the idea of him moving around. Like, if I say start him, like, in that bumper position for 20% of the power plays just to keep teams on their edge. Don't keep the same thing. Keep them guessing. But I don't think that's the best spot for him. Like, when you have a shot like Austin Matthews, you're not in the bumper. Like, that's the guy who's moving it around and putting to where it needs to go. Like get, get him on the wall, him and Nylander on the flank. That's where your shots are. But I, I do like it that it's, it's different and it makes us less predictable. Yeah, I, I do agree. Uh, I do like he, uh, changing things up, but the one thing I don't like about Austin Matthews doing more skating, moving around is like, it's going to tire him out. I want that guy to play 25 minutes if possible. That's a good point. He's you just got to stand there. If all you're doing is shooting it. Exactly, but he's a, he's an athlete. He can handle it. All right, I got one, another one, another stat for you. Okay, right. this is so okay. The Leafs don't score enough in general. I can count on one hand the number of games with over three goals scored that the Leafs have had this season. Well, if that one hand had two fingers on it, because the Leafs have only scored over three goals twice this season. Um, the Leafs goals four per 60 is 2.81. That's good for 23rd in the NHL. The lowest they've ever been ranked in the Austin Matthews era for goals four per 60 is eighth. Oh, um, goodness, you're right. I just started looking at the scores here. How, wow. Wait, hold on. So what, so what you're telling me is that the Leafs are a better defensive team than they are an offensive team. Settle down, Allison. Settle down. Um, we got five against I, this, Montreal, and then we got five against Detroit, and then we got four against Winnipeg. So that is three. Wait a minute. Wait. 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 Are you? Are you looking? You're looking at preseason. Oh, is that count the preseason? The, uh, this is regular season. Oh, I guess you're right. Why? Why would We're they talking. show me the preseason? Okay, I apologize, Stephen. You're correct. Um, this is concerning for me because the Maple Leafs are supposed to be an offensive team. Th- this one, sorry, I'm starting here. This one is concerning because I don't know. I look around and see like, uh, I see, uh, uh, Jersey, New Jersey, just like lighting up eight goal games and teams lighting us up for five goals. And, um, but isn't I, this the same, this is the same question as last time. Cause it's like the power play is working. We're scoring goals there. It's the even strength goals that we're not getting. And you said you're not as concerned about lack of even strength. No, I'm not. I'm saying I'm not concerned that like, like, I think, I think that that might work out. I'm just saying that like the fact that we've gone this many games in the season and the Leafs haven't put like a nice six or seven on the board. I, I think Stephen, where this is coming from is like when you play games against Boston or Vegas or I don't know, like these top teams in the league, you're not going to put up a six or seven. And those games, you know, we, we do our thing. The games you put up sixes and sevens are, are like Arizona. We lost four to two. Ottawa, we lost. Oh, actually, we beat Ottawa. Um, San Jose, we lost four to three. 
Anaheim, we lost four to three. Like those are the games you're supposed to be winning eight to one. And we've sucked in those games. So like, I, I'm not so concerned about like that. We haven't put up a six or a seven because like, again, when you get to playoffs. You're not going to be playing teams. You're going to be putting up six and seven. It's how do you fare against Vegas's and the Boston's and Tampa's? But just like the lack of scoring top to bottom, like don't even get me started on Alexander Kerfoot. That guy is a worthless bum. I feel like he's the new Connor Brown of our team. He can't score for his life. And that absolutely adds up. Same with bunting. Like these guys who who we relied on for goals last year. Camp has got to be our fifth most dangerous player on our team. That's a problem. Camp, three even strength goals this year. Yes. And no one else can do that. It's, it's, I, I would agree. I, I think it's concerning that just like, from our 12, like Morgan Riley has zero goals. How does Morgan Riley have zero he, goals? He's basically he never a forward. gets goals. He's an assist guy. He's I'm a not forward. He has zero, Tim, zero goals. Up until I, this past week, Justin Hall had the only goal for a defenseman on our team. That's like, totally normal. How many goals did Morgan Riley got last year? Yeah, but didn't he have a ton in his, uh, uh, his Norris candidate season? Like he's got he it. Like in 20, it. I mean, 25. he got 20. But then year after that, he got goals, three. Tim. He never gets goals. And then the year after that, he got five. Year after that, he got ten. Like he has two seasons where he scored ten or more goals. One year he scored ten. One year he scored twenty. All the rest, he's like between five and ten goals. And I would he's say that pace. that's okay when we have the greatest five-on-five goal scorer in the league on our team. But guess what? We don't have that right now. Right now, our team is super sucking at scoring goals. Ryan, David and Camp he, is on our team. He, he just got a shiny new eight-year contract worth $150 bazillion. Let's get some offense out here. I, have, I am so frustrated watching our Leafs defensemen shoot pucks into the other team's shin pads. TJ Brody drives me crazy on the blue line. He waits for them to step in front of him, <laughs> and then he shoots the puck into their... It's ridiculous. It's, it's unbelievably ridiculous. And, like, you're right, Tim. He's... Our defensemen are not, we don't have like an Eric Carlson on our team. Just like pure purpose in life is to score goals. Even though, But when your team is struggling to score goals, you got to look to other avenues to get them. And our defensemen aren't going to have done either. So all of a sudden we have no one who scored goals. That, that is frustrating. And the problem with like shooting into the shin pads is that it then immediately goes into like a rush chance against. And it's just like, can I shoot it in the corner? Cody CC could shoot it in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> always laugh when I think of that Cody shot wide moment. Everybody listening to this podcast, just I hope look up the Cody shot wide. Um, I have a suggestion for Morgan Riley. Have a daughter. <laughs> Work for Jordy Ben. Give the fist bump um, through the glass. Steven, you did go. you learn nothing from John Tavares? The year that a child is born crashes that that person's year. They have no sleep the whole year. They can't do anything. Was I trashed last year? Oh, I mean, we don't got to get you on that. the pod, but <laughs> um. Okay, one more thing on the goal totals. Uh, in previous seasons, we've talked a lot about killer instinct. The Leafs lack a killer instinct. And the Leafs have won games this season, right, despite only scoring three goals a night. Um, but is the Leafs' lack of a killer instinct the thing that's keeping them from turning a, you know, three to two win to a six to two win? Uh for the record, you if you Google Cody shot wide, the top results are indeed Cody Thank C- God. shooting wide in overtime. <laughs> Love you, Internet. Love you. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't think killer instinct is really a, a factor at, at this point. It's, it's too I, early. It's more just like get out of your slump and score some. 
Uh, yeah, I think I think it's too early. I'm I'm still concerned because like until you see it, it's not there. But uh, I I will bring up too in the whole goals four per sixty. Right, I bring up the ranking because like I feel like that's that's valid to right where we compare to the rest of the league. But in terms of just like a two point eight one goals per game, um, the Leafs have had you know, flirted around that number. It's just, they've always been higher in the league. So it's just showing more of the league is scoring higher. We're lower anyway. Um, okay. You guys ready for another one? Yep. All right. Um, shooting percentage in general, we've talked about it on the pod before. We just talked about it. The Leafs shoot a lot of these pucks into the shin pads. It feels like the Leafs have a low shooting percentage, and it's because they do have a low shooting percentage, specifically from a handful of players. Pulled this from The Athletic, and it's a little bit out of date because it was from, like, Friday, I think, or after Friday's game. Um, Alex Kerfoot has not scored a goal yet this season, um, but his career shooting percentage is 11.9, so he's (laughs) 11.9% less on his shooting percentage this year. Austin Matthews, 14.9 career shooting percentage. He's shooting at a 4.4, although that's moved up to like, I think an eight something now after uh, his goal the other night. Anyway, um, Michael Bunting, a career 13.8 shooting percentage down to 4.6. Pierre Engvall, 9%. He's down to 5.6. William Nylander, 9.5 career. He's down to 7.1. I think think in in general, like I think the NHL team's Generally, I think 8% is around normally. Leafs are, are down at 6%. And I think like what's significant about the shooting percentage in particular is what the, I guess, advanced stats experts say is that shooting percentage basically is almost always random. Like sure, Austin Matthews and some select guys have that talent and can shoot higher. But usually low shooting percentage just means you're unlucky. And you'll at least get better in the future and go up to the mean versus the teams that are only winning because they have a high shooting percentage basically means that they're getting lucky and that they'll, they'll fall back. So what I hear when I see that the Leafs are shooting below, I think that means like Leafs are getting unlucky. Really? That's what you're going to say. The Leafs, this takes me back to when we played Columbus. Do you remember the first thing Kyle Lewis comes out and says, Oh, we were shooting a 2% shooting percentage in that game. And it's just like, Hey, but all of your shots were like from the outside and a clean look and that's all you're taking. And that's, that's no, what no. I'm seeing here. That was, that was less us shooting 2% and more of their uh, Dominic Hasek and net no, saving 98%. No, you are that, that is dangerous thinking. That is you saying, Oh, it's just unlucky. It'll turn around. The Leafs are not creating dangerous scoring opportunities. You watch, and I, I already said that this is the game. Like you watch these, these teams will get like 35 shots and they'll get 22 shots and they have more high danger scoring chances than we have in the game. Even though we doubt shoot them two to one. We, we like, we, and I get it. I like the, the puck possession game. It's important. But we'll spend so much time cycling it around their zone and waiting, waiting, waiting. And then we'll just take like a blast from the deep corner from our defenseman. And it gets like, Blocked by a shin pad and then a rebound and it just like it's swallowed up by the goaltender. Just done. And and that's it. Like we're not we're not getting those high danger chances. And and uh, you can't just chalk that up to bad luck. I'm watching these other teams. They're not just like taking whatever shots that they're able to get. They're making high danger chances and they're forcing our goaltenders to make incredible saves or they'll miss or it's going to the back of the net. And that's absolutely something that's in your control. That's not luck based. 
That's that's maybe over like the sample size of an 82 game season or like your career. Yeah, it's like move up and down. But from what I've seen from the Leafs so far, I I think that they deserve the shooting percentage that they have. That it matches the quality of hockey that. I think the Leafs continue to miss the net way too often. They do. I agree, Steve. They do. And I call back to what I said the other pod, skill days. Maple Leafs need to bring skill days back. I don't know what these guys are doing in the offseason, but these things, it, it's things that they can they can fix. And skill days, bring them back. Maybe they'll fix itself throughout the season. But Tavares and Nylander especially seem to miss the net wide, and it just rings around the outside of the boards and goes out of the zone. It drives me crazy. On those high, the, the chances that should be high danger, right? Yes. Like we're talking about the, the goals where like they beat Shelly on them, right? But if it was a Leaf shooting that, it'd, be, it'd go wide to the left, bunting as well. Blech. All right. Um, I got one more. Tim, can you tolerate one more? I already know you're in a mood, but can you tolerate one more? Give it to me. All right. Um, there's nine Maple Leafs players Ridiculous. with a positive plus <laughs> with a positive plus minus on the plus season minus. so far. A positive plus minus, none of whom would uh uh be in what's considered the big four or even the big five dennis malkin uh mark giordano david camp timothy lilligren victor mete michael bunting nicky rob kyle clifford jordy ben make up the players above zero in the plus minus uh kind of lends itself to the you know poor five on five play but i don't know well it it speaks to like if you want to see who who those big five are you got Marner at minus two, Tavares at minus four, Nylander at minus two, Matthews at minus two, Riley at minus three. So it's like, those are your best players who aren't only like producing. They are getting beat by the opposition more. You are losing those shifts with our best players on the ice, arguably the best players in the NHL. Seriously concerning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love that stat. I mean, yeah, I think it I think it matches up with what what we've been seeing though, where our top players just haven't been good enough. And I mean, not that like even the sixteen games so far is not the biggest sample size, but I would say uh what was the first game we played last week? The Boston game? Starting from the Boston game, uh we I think we have turned it around a little bit and definitely been playing better. So I want I would be interested to know what the plus minus is from the second half, but What's interesting is talking about plus minus looking at goal differential in our division. We're basically we're plus one. And so I'll, I'll just go from like bottom to top the way the division goes. So Ottawa's even Buffalo plus three Montreal minus one Detroit minus six Florida Don't plus two one. Tampa zero We're plus one Boston plus Damn. 30 plus 30. Anyways, so my point, my point here is one, Boston's ridiculous here. Let's not talk about Boston, but like we're only plus one on the year. Like the games we win are very even, like we win by goal, lose by goal. So there's not a lot of flex in the plus minus. So you're not going to get a lot of extremes there. Um, but I like how I'll say um, Los Angeles is 10, six and one on the season with a minus one goal differential. Like what the heck? There's always one or two of those that make the playoffs. I mean, that was uh, when we played and lost to the Montreal Canadiens. They had like a brutal goal differential. And 
So I guess it doesn't matter, Tim. There's your argument. And I'll say plus minus doesn't matter. Connor McDavid's got two seasons with a minus. Uh, and he's basically, he's Mick Jesus. So, um, no, I don't know. Some of these are early. Just throwing them out there. Okay. All right. That's it. What? Well, I wouldn't say I, I have a couple stats that, that I think are like are pretty telling for the Leafs. Ooh. All right. So when the opponents score first, the Leafs are six, two and two. Should the Thank Leafs you. let the first goal in intentionally more often? I wouldn't say that that is a good strategy. No, I don't think you should coach. Brian, the Leafs are two, three and one when scoring first. Like this I- is. Irrefutable it, evidence. It is it is uh, heartwarming to know that the Leafs aren't going to crumble and die when the opposition scores first. Because I think in every single Game 7 ever, we let them score the first. At least there's that. But I wouldn't say that's a good strategy. Move. It helps me be more interested in the games because there's a handful, you know, past Leafs teams. It's like the, they, I feel like they would win almost no games, right? That they didn't score the first goal. And so you just like, oh, I can just turn this off now or I can, you know, emotionally uninvest from this game. But um, I think that's a bold strategy, though, to intentionally let in the first goal. I'll say no. All right. All right. Well, we'll see how this trend continues. And uh, hopefully scoring goals helps uh, leads to good things for us. What's the next one? Uh, Leafs getting 900 goaltending on the year. And we are currently second in the division. Is this goaltending good enough or are you concerned with not you? So I guess for those that, that aren't uh diligent hockey list, we talk save percentage is always uh listed out of a thousand and it's basically is a, is a percentage. So if you have 900 save percentage, you're saving 90% of the shots and it's amazing at how much a percent or two makes a difference. So a 930 save percentage is basically like winning the Vesna best goal in the league. Uh, under 900 save percentage, it's like get out of the NHL, your your minor league. So you have a few percent diff- percent is the difference between all star and not 900 right on the threshold of being like below average goaltending, which Leafs have been th- overall Leafs been getting pretty average. Goal. I think that stat is not gonna carry forward through the rest of the season. Like that's half of those games are Sammy Smiles, who is I'm sure a lot higher than a 900 save percentage. Oh, yeah. The other half is, is Shulgren, who has, I'm sure, a bit lower save percentage than 900. And so, like, you, you swap out Shulgren for Matt Murray for the rest of the season. You hope Matt Murray is going to give you a higher than 900 save percentage. So if we end up at, like, a 910, 915 save percentage, I would say that's good enough. I think a 900, if we are going into the playoffs with 900 goaltending, that's not great. I wouldn't be comfortable. 910, 915, that's I, what I think we will be, and I think that that well, during those uh, uh, just like bad slides the last couple of seasons when the Leafs are really losing, uh, you'd always look to the goaltending like, you know, Jack Campbell, Freddie, and we'd be sub 900 and we were still winning the games in the regular season, right? But then the playoffs came around, it wasn't good enough. No, I mean, if the Leafs goaltending is anything like what it is right now, we're, we're cooked. We look like a good team that has bad goaltending. Like, well, every yeah, night. yeah, but that's right like, now with, with Shulgren. Like, Right now, what what Samsonov was providing, if that's what we get in the playoffs, and I say that's okay. Samus smiles. All oh, the tree just turned off. Shoot! All right, Shoot, it's time man. time to wrap it up then. Christmas is canceled. Oh, Tim, you forgot to mention one more of the thresholds for 
save percentage. If you're looking at a 960 save percentage, that's what a, a goaltender playing against the Maple Leafs in the playoffs usually has. <laughs> or some nobody from the crowds coming in to put up pads in the first NHL game against the Leafs. That's about the baseline. And this <laughs> channel it's us ridiculous. Oh, man. Nothing scarier to me than seeing a goaltending name I don't recognize on the other team. It's like, shoot, they're going to have the game of their lives now. Okay. So, in conclusion, do the stats lie or do they not lie? I think they're, uh, for the most part, pretty accurate and the Leafs need to be better. Leafs need to be better. But but we're still in a pretty good mood because we won the last game. That's right. My high school had a statistics class and I failed it. Um. So I will not disrespect the stats. The stats don't lie. All right. This week we have Pittsburgh coming up who just beat us. We have the New Jersey Devils who are one of the top teams in the league this year, apparently. And Buffalo, who is who has a better goal differential than we do. Yeah. What what are you guys thoughts for this week? What what do you want to see? Well, let's not get embarrassed by the Penguins again, please. Uh, I want to hang six on Buffalo. We could see Matt Murray not having a back to back. You know, what were you going to say, Rye? I said it could be Matt Murray in that for Pittsburgh or any of the other games. Yeah, yeah no, I think they're saying Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. That would be nice uh, to see him do well. He had a bad game one and then was in. I'm not expecting him to be in midseason form here, but if he gets lit up here, that's got to hurt your confidence, hurt the team's confidence. In him. I just really hope it's, uh, if he gets 900 save percentage, I think I'd be okay with that for Matt Murray <laughs> against Pittsburgh here. So, uh, well, I mean, the the Leafs have got to be feeling pretty good, though, tonight after, like, you know, playing well to close out that game on Saturday. And, like, if they can just roll through Pittsburgh, right, which I I'm I pick them to win that game, then, yeah, you've got two big games after that that, like, I don't know, I feel like you're just kind of set up for with some good mojo. A nice couple more Austin Matthews big goals where he's looking like himself again. And, I don't know, I'm pumped. I feel like we haven't played the Devils in, like, seven years. Yeah. So I'm pumped. Let's get on a roll here. I like it. That's it. Amen. That's it, man. Go Leafs go. Hang on. I got to unlock. All right. Music's music's going. Oh, the pod's done. Pod's done. Love the Leafs, man. Love them. For Thank Jamie you. Ben. What I want, you got. Jamie Ben. <laughs> Jordy's 35. Is he older than Jamie? These guys are old. Jamie's getting old.